and welcome to the LB School Podcast. I'm Christy Michelle, the School and Library Manager here at Little Brown Books for Young Readers, and I couldn't be happier to have our first podcast of the brand new year be with Kathleen Lane, author of Pity Party, which hits shelves on January 19th. It has a star from the Horn Book, which raves that it's an original, convincing, spot-on, and weirdly moving collage portrait of middle school age insecurities, anxieties, awkwardness, and interpersonal dynamics, and another from School Library Journal, which calls it perfect for anyone who has ever felt out of place in a social situation. And I think that's pretty much all of us. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Christy. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So diving right into the questions, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Why do you write? Why do you write for middle school readers? Um, well, I mean, broadly speaking, I would say I'm just a feely human who's trying to figure out human stuff. Writing is my way of getting there. I write mostly you know, just to know how I feel, to get to know some of the, these characters that are inside me or that, you know, really represent some aspect of who I am. So that's why I write. I write for middle school because middle school is really an age that I feel I most relate to. Sometimes I feel like I still am a middle schooler and it's just such a tough age It's just, you know, the kids in middle school are being asked to absorb and navigate so much, especially now. I just, I think a lot about, well, I think about all kids, but I remember when my own kids went from making lanterns and studying sheep in grade school to suddenly in sixth grade, they're studying global warming and participating in active shooter drills I mean, on top of all the other social complexities of that developing time. So middle schoolers are really just deep in my heart. And I think it's where we all have the most responsibility, maybe, and opportunity to direct kids onto a more self-compassionate path, I would say. Definitely. It is a a time of big change in in a child's life, uh, switching into middle school. A little bit more about your writing. Have you always been a writer? Has that always been the way that you express yourself? Did you journal when you were younger? No, actually, I came to writing and reading pretty late. I I was actually in an accident when I was pretty young, right before first grade. So I missed the beginning of first grade. And whether or not that had anything to do with it, I just, you know, I was a slow reader. I didn't have a lot of confidence around language. So... I really came to writing, even to really appreciating stories. I didn't really come to that point until I was much older. I mean, even as late as, you know, college, post-college. It was really, actually, it was really coming across one of Myra Kalman's books. And it made such an impression on me. Um, It was one of her Max books, I think. And it wasn't really so much the story as just what I saw as her total freedom on the page, which was something that I had never experienced. First of all, I hadn't really explored writing so much, but even verbally, I was just so caught up in this, you know, these perfectionist patterns of 
wanting to always do and say the right thing. I just had this constant self-judgment, you know, so much so that I, I remember I used to rehearse my words in my head before speaking. I was just really painfully shy. And so to see someone, a writer, Myra, um, be so carefree on the page was really exciting to me. And I think that was really probably the beginning of my own desire to write and I guess eventually my own, you know, my own liberation on the page. That's so interesting what you say about coming to love writing and reading a little bit later. Um, is that something that that you keep in the back of your head as you write? Is that something that influences the way you write? Hmm. Knowing that there are readers out there who, you know, yeah, there's a term well, for I them think... called reluctant readers, but I don't really like, I don't really like that term. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that term. I do think about, about kids who are maybe less drawn to language or have some sort of struggle with, with reading or writing. And I think that's what attracts me to short form, to these short stories and honestly, I don't know why there aren't more short, short story collections out there for middle grade or even for younger, younger students, because I think it's such a, it's such an accessible form for kids, you know, it's an in and out. And, and I think it's also, it also feels really attainable. So kids who may not consider themselves to be writers, you know, they can see, they can read a story that's three pages long and have this feeling that, oh, I can do that. You know, I could write a story. Whereas I think sometimes, you know, novels might feel like, you know, something that's just too far beyond their reach. So thank you for asking that question. I hadn't thought, thought about that so much. Yeah. One of the things I really love about short stories and how they make you think about storytelling is that it allows you to see that a story doesn't have to be this huge thing. A story right. can be three pages long and still be powerful and still move you and still leave an impression on you, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you get to experience a lot of different emotions and characters when you read a short story collection. So you get to step inside a lot of different experiences. And some of those experiences, of course, are going to be ones that you really relate to. And some might not be, but you get, you get to know a lot of people through short story collections. Yeah. And a lot of different ways of being in the world yeah. and different perspectives. When you were a young reader, what were some of your favorite books? Were they formative for you? Did they stay with you and inform your thinking as you became an adult? Did any of these books influence Pity Party? And are there books you've read more recently? I think you told me a little bit about this just earlier on that have uh -huh. left an impression on you. Well, it's a complicated question to answer a little bit because of what I shared before that it, it took me a while to come to appreciate books. I was actually more of an athlete and thought I would go off to be a physical therapist or something related to sports. So as a young kid, you know, I guess the, the book that really stands out for me is Where the Red Fern Grows. And I, it's funny because it's so outside of my experience but I think what I connected with was just the emotion of the story I mean Brian's song was my favorite movie if that tells you anything so <laughs> I I don't know I you know there were other books that I loved but it, they didn't really have a deep 
you know, a deep pool or resonance as much. It was really, I think what attracts me to anything that I read is mostly when a writer can go deep inside a character where I really feel that character's experience. Um, even if it's not a character I necessarily relate to, I just feel more connected to humans and the world. And then the other thing that attracts me is always what I shared about, you know, Myra Coleman's writing, just that complete, you know, freedom on the page, just when a writer, when it feels like there's no filter, it's just them showing up and having the courage to let out, you know, anything that, that comes, comes through on the page. So that's always been the attraction for me too, because you know, as a perfectionist and somebody who's experienced a lot of anxiety, that's what I want, uh, you know, for myself. And that's what I want for kids to just for all of us just to have permission to show up as our imperfect selves. I think I had a similar experience in that books when I was when I was younger, when I was a kid, they were a way of escape for me. So a lot of the books that moved me I had no, like, I didn't have anything in common with the with the characters in the books. I'm talking mm. specifically right now about Bridge to Terabithia. That oh, yeah. book destroyed me as a kid, <laughs> and it destroys me now as an adult. But I had no, I had no, like, I have absolutely nothing in common with any of the characters in that book. But it 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 formed me as. I don't want to say feeler, but it formed me as a feeler, as a person who feels, as a person who feels in relation to other people. Um, And I feel like that feeling that, that you got from that book and that I got from Where the Red Fern Grows is so important because what we're really nurturing in ourselves and in kids is this empathy. So that's, you know, just to have that feeling inside that you you know, not that you relate, but that you, you can feel another character's just experience of life and struggles with life. I think it helps you not only to feel empathy for others in the world and their, their own battles, but to then direct it towards yourself and have a little more self-compassion. Definitely. And I think another thing I really like about middle grade literature and just, just art that's created for kids in general is that it's the beginning of when kids start to develop their taste. So mm-hmm. thinking of Bridge to Terabithia, I love books that, you know, make me weep. And Bridge to, T- to Terabithia is that seminal um, book from my childhood. So it's kind of like this through line that you have when you start reading books, like books, middle grade books that you have. Um, it's a through line that you have through the rest of your life. What did you like when you were a kid? It's what you're going to like when you're a teenager and what you're going to like when you're an adult, too. And it begins, you know, with yeah, those books that you Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but there is some self-knowing that, that begins to develop through books. I guess I have thought about that, but, but you, I, I, I appreciate that comment. I also appreciate your comment about just that, you know, that, um, I don't know if it was a de- desire, but, you know, how it elicited this, such emotion that you you know, you, you cried through the book. And I think we need that release too, especially middle schoolers just need to feel the edges in that way to go all the way to sadness and go all the way to fear 
um, and to feel and release those those really like bottled up emotions sometimes. Yeah, and I think books are just like a really great way to do all of that safely. Exactly. Yeah, because you know, middle school is not a time when you want to really show a lot of your emotions necessarily. So you're right, writing and art and all those safe avenues for expression and release are so important. Pity Party is an intriguing collection of stories. I don't see many collections like short story collections out there for for middle schoolers. So how did the idea for Pity Party come to you? Why did you decide to write in this form instead of, say, a novel? I would say I've always been more of a sprinter than a long distance writer, you know, more so over the years. And I think like collectively, we're all, I don't know if you relate to this, but we're all kind of feeling a little less focused and less, you know, just there's a lot flying at us. And I feel sort of like that's that span that of three, four page stories is just really suits me. It. I don't know. It's just, I've just always been drawn to that length story and, and it just seems to come out fairly naturally. And I also, you know, kind of, there is some intention too, in terms of putting stories out that give kids that, you know, a lot of different experiences and ones that feel accessible and attainable for them. So there is some of that, but how, how the idea came to me, you know, Susan and I, my brilliant editor, Susan Rich, Um, we had explored so many different manuscript possibilities. And I think in looking at all those possibilities, there was a moment when we thought, hmm, could these all be one book? Could we take elements of this and that and this other thing and put them together in a book? And honestly, we had so many ideas. We were just throwing so many noodles at the wall. And, you know, it just became an exercise in the end of shaping and trimming, which Susan is so brilliant at and then we ended up jokingly or not jokingly just thinking of those extra stories as pity party Two, the sequel so we'll see what happens with with them but that's how it all came to be I would say I always really love short story collections because I think it's just an interesting way of organizing around a theme it actually makes me think a little bit of poetry collections in that you have this central theme that you're writing about and you have so many different ways of coming at it. Mm. So I've always liked um, short story collections. Yeah, I appreciate that too. We gave ourselves a pretty long leash on this one. In terms of theme, we, as you may have noticed, it's, you know, it, it goes a lot of different places, but they're all part of the party. Yeah. So... You alluded to this in your um, answer to the previous questions, and I will confirm that my reading has dropped precipitously. Um, I'm very happy that I can still read because considering how little I'm reading right now, I would have thought that it would like the skill would have just disappeared. Mostly what I read right now are emails and yep. my doom scrolling through Twitter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) totally totally but I have been doing and I think a lot of people are doing this like I've spoken to my friends and they're doing the exact same thing I've been rereading all my like comfort novels from when I was a kid so I'm reading like 
I'm going to mispronounce her name because I always do, but Frances Hoxton Burnett. Um, uh, yeah. I've always, like, I read those books before I knew what I liked, so they're just kind of a part of my consciousness, so I can read them without having to think, and oh. they, like, they just are in me. But, I wonder if they're doing, are they doing different things in you than they did then? Right Maybe. now my brain is kind of shut off. So they're just, yeah. it's just that feeling of familiarity. Of, yeah, it's like comfort um, food. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's my macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so you wrote Pity Party before I stopped reading. <laughs> you wrote Pity Party in the before mm -hmm. times, before yep. COVID-19. Do you think of the book differently now, especially as it explores isolation and anxiety and other themes that take up so much more of our feelings and time and thoughts at this specific moment in history? Yeah, good question. And that, you know, I've asked myself that too. I mean, without a doubt, I think it would be a different collection if I had started writing it post-COVID. But I'm also happy that it is what it is because I think there's a universality to the stories that, you know, can bring, speaking of mac and cheese, can bring comfort and, and strength to kids, no matter what dark moments they find themselves in. So I do like that. I do like that it's a collection that can live, you know, beyond COVID. And, you know, after COVID, there's going to be another, you know, knock on wood, I hate to think of what it is, but there's, there are going to be moments in kids' futures that they're also going to have to navigate. So yes and no, I guess, you know, I think there are some themes to the book that, that relate to what's going on right now in terms of just feeling, like you said, feeling isolated and anxious. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it, how it lands on kids and what they connect with. I hope that in some ways just the familiarity, you know, like you're experiencing and rereading books, that familiarity of life on the playground and life in the lunchroom you know, doesn't bring, you know, brings, and I'm sure it'll bring some sadness, but I hope it also brings some kind of warm feelings, you know, and, and some knowing that those days are, are coming back around soon. What was your favorite story in Pity Party to write and which is your favorite one to reread and why? That is an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The voice, the voice just really, well, first of all, it really speaks to my own experience, but I think it really captures what the whole book is about. This um, this work that we all have to do to figure out how we're going to have a decent relationship with that horrible, pestering voice that we have inside us. So, you know, that was that was I would say the the easiest story to write, and the one that I wanted to come back to and the one that I really felt good about presenting to kids because I like the arc of it too. You know, it starts with this Katya's early relationship with doubt. So she has all these inner thoughts that are really, you know, getting in the way of who she really is. They're disrupting her confidence and this, this pure connection that she probably had with herself when she was younger. And then gradually over the course of the collection, her own voice her true voice grows a little bit louder and a little bit louder. And she, she eventually finds the power to, to say to her doubts and fears. Yeah. You know, these doubts and fears aren't, aren't 
going anywhere, but she has, she finds the power to say, I see you, I hear you, I know that you're there, but I'm going to be over here doing my thing. And it might be the, the wrong thing, it might not work out, but I'm okay with that. And that's, I mean, that's part of the message of the book, I think, is this idea that mm, we're not going to feel okay all the time, and we're going to mess up, and, and that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah, I really like that message. So Pity Party, we've been talking a lot about short stories, but Pity Party isn't just, you know, short stories. It, there's also a choose your own catastrophe and other, I'm going to call them interstices, or maybe you know the right word for them. But th there's uh -huh. this part, there's this one, the first time I came across it, it really struck me. There was this one page, it was just one page, like an ad, and it said, a message from our sponsor. So the book is a lot more interactive than a straightforward novel or a short story collection. And I wanted to ask, why did you include these sections and how do you think readers will respond to them? It was really me and Susan throwing a lot of ingredients into the pot, I think. And, you know, just just trying to cook up something for readers that felt like we were taking them overall over the course of this you know, short story collection or whatever you want to call it, that it was taking them into a lot of different emotional spaces. So having those little interstitials, those little moments of whether, you know, their humor or just kind of, you know, these dark little moments in some cases, I think it was just to give readers, first of all, enough access points to what we're trying to communicate through the whole of the book. But but also just to keep it light and and bright and to remind repeatedly remind kids that that we're all in this kind of mess of life together that you know life is full of all these all this weirdness and all this sadness and confusion and we're all here in this mixed bag this totally crazy party and it's okay you know you're going to be okay I think having moments of humor around darkness is really essential. So I read a lot of romance. Actually, my romance reading has skyrocketed this year. <laughs> I bet it has. <laughs> um, great. It's my go-to genre for escapism. Mm -hmm. I'd say Pity Party has some elements of horror and surrealism and even dark comedy. Are those genres that attract you? And how do you engage with writing them? It's so funny that... It's so funny, that thought, because I actually, I don't read horror, horror movies. I just, I, you know, horror, anything that introduces any more darkness to my mind, which is already a dark, <laughs> dark place all on its own, um, I, I kind of tend to steer away from. So I never actually set out to write dark stories. It's just the direction that my mind very easily takes you know, especially I write adult, adult short stories too, and those are especially dark. So it's, it's interesting. I don't know. It's just, I guess, subconsciously it's, it's happening or I think maybe just my writing is so tied to my anxiety that, you know, anxiety is really, really story making when you think about it. So, you know, I just remember even when I was little, my, you know, just the smallest hint of potential danger or not even danger, you know, and I was, my mind was off, you know, spinning some story of dread and doom. I don't know. Now I look at it as, 
you know, this, this tendency to, to spin dark tales I see as one of the gifts of my anxious mind, you know? So my relationship has sort of shifted around that way of thinking. And that's part of just my work in the world now through this program, Create More Fear Less, is just about, you know, um, kind of what the book is about, just developing a, a friendlier relationship with, with our minds, our anxieties, taking that darkness and, and seeing that darkness as, as, a, as a power or an energy that we can work with, make art out of, shift to our liking. Now that you just mentioned Create More, Fear Less, could you, could you tell us a little bit more about it? I know that it's a nonprofit organization that, that helps young people who, who have anxiety, that, help, that helps them you know, live in the world with their anxiety without it like, crippling them. So could you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. So Create More, Fear Less really grew out of my experience in, in meeting with kids after The Best Worst Thing was published. So I was going around to schools talking about this character in The Best Worst Thing who was, you know, dealing with and kind of learning to navigate her own anxiety. So in getting to interact with a lot of kids, I, you know, they shared their own feelings and their own, you know, they they had very similar experiences to Maggie in the book. So I had counselors and teachers interested in you know, me visiting with their students and having, you know, reading groups, but I was really more interested in, in working with kids around, around anxiety, you know, and around that feeling of, you know, how do you take in all that the world is, is throwing at you and how do you make sense of it? And how do you find a way to make your way through it without, you know, letting it kind of cripple you, as you said. So, out of that experience, I started this program called Create More, Fear Less, which is really about supporting kids in developing a more creative and empowered relationship with anxiety. So the program is, it's, you know, it's, it's free to any, for anybody to use. So all of our projects are on our website at createmorefearless.org, just to plug it, because I really want more young people to find it and to most of all just just receive that message that first of all you're normal there are a lot of other people who have thoughts like you have it's okay and that you have all of these gifts inside you and in fact your your mind your anxious mind is actually filled with so many gifts gifts of creativity and imagination and empathy and wisdom so I think most important for me through that program is just shifting kids away from this idea that there's something wrong with them and instead working with them with all that's right with them so that, you know, they can, I think so many kids who experience anxiety also carry around this sort of blanket of shame around it when I think if they can shift into this other way of seeing themselves and seeing their minds and all the possibilities that their minds are filled with, that that can make all the difference. I feel like hearing you speak about Create More, Fear Less just now, it kind of does the same work that Pity Party does. Yeah, very much so. It's taking kids into a new kind of space around their anxiety where they can look at it in a different way, you know, where they can 
find the 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 humor even in it and the the creativity and all of their angst and just the potential you know lightness and stepping away from that shame or just the heaviness that they kind of might drag around with them the what's wrong with me thinking and speaking of creativity I feel like pity party would offer a lot of English teachers at least an opportunity to tell their students like throw your own pity party write a story that you think would would go along with the other stories that are in pity party Um, oh I love that yeah and like for them to to pick their favorite story in pity party and write about why that's their favorite Uh I think my favorite was I'm going to forget the title but I think my favorite was one was the one where there's the kid who's counting the steps and he gets frozen on this step because it's an uneven number Uh uh-huh and I remember that Uh feeling I remember that (laughs) feeling so clearly as a kid because I counted steps as a kid we would Um, have been good friends Christy as kids and like that's not something I thought about in the longest time but I was reading that that and I was like oh my gosh there I am that's me and I can absolutely see you know a young reader having the same reaction as I as I did and then you know writing their own version of that story oh I hope so I would love that so at the beginning of the book is sort of dedication and I'll pull my ARC out now to read it. It's an actual invitation into the book. So here we go. Dear weird toes, crooked nose, stressed out, left out, freaked out, dear strep throat, chicken pox, ate a moldy muffin, stepped in poison oak, dear lost sweatshirt, dear lost dog, dear didn't make the team, didn't get the part, didn't pass the test, Dear just moved to this town. Dear desperate to get out of this town. Dear missing parts, broken hearts, picked on, passed up, misunderstood, sitting alone. Dear ADD, ADHD, OCD, WXYNZ. Dear everyone, dear you, you are cordially invited. Come as you are, help yourself to the cake, spin your troubles round the dance floor. This party is for you. That was so nice hearing you read it. I was smiling the whole way through. Uh, I think I've never heard anybody else read that, so I appreciate that. It's basically saying that this book is for all the misfits out there. Could you elaborate on that a bit? And in addition to who the book is for, could you tell us a bit what you'd like readers to take away from reading Pity Party? Yeah, you're exactly you're exactly right. the The whole book is intended to be just that an invitation to all kids to come in and I guess you know party with their feelings you know to party with their self-doubts and worries and also like I said before to kind of pull away these sticky labels that we tend to wear around these feelings that there's something wrong with us so what I really want to say to kids is you are not those labels you are not a worrier you are not a mess you are not broken You're not too much of this or too little of that. You are a human being having very human experiences. So welcome to life. Welcome to the party. I love that. 
I'm going to ask a question just because I have the ARC in front of me right now. I'm not one of those people who says, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. I absolutely believe in judging a book by its cover. Because, you know, I love covers. Some book covers are absolutely iconic and they're as much a part of the book as the actual text of it. And I feel like the cover for Pity Party is so cool. Is there anything you can tell me about the process of coming to that cover? Oh my gosh, I adore this cover. I'm so happy with it. And I give Susan Rich, my editor, all of the credit. She, Her daughter is such a fan of Laura Zombie, the cover artist. So she, we were really, you know, I was looking a lot of different directions. And Susan from the beginning said, I really think it should be Laura Zombie. She's just, you know, she has a way of really connecting with young people through her art and capturing these experiences. And it turned out to be the best choice ever. I'm just really thrilled with it. It's such a great cover, just the rainbow and the the cloud with the sad face and the lone the lone kid sitting on the sunflower and I love it. I love everything about it. Kathleen, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you. I, I couldn't have enjoyed that anymore, Christy. Listeners, Pity Party will be on shelves on January nineteenth. And I really encourage you to pick it up. You won't regret it. You can learn more about Kathleen at KathleenLane.net. And you can always find us on Twitter at, at LBSchool. I wish you a good start for the new year. And thank you for listening. Music